This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, good morning. It's good to have everyone here on a Sunday morning. Get to dedicate the babies to the Lord. That's a good thing. If you're a guest, I welcome you. If you need a Bible, well, I'm not going to tell you to do that. I'm just going to tell you to turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 12. If you've been here the last few months, we've been on our series, The Blessing, and so we're going to jump in here again today. Genesis chapter 12, the word bless itself means happy, fortunate, and to be envied. It also has the meaning of approval and encouragement. When we talk about the blessing, it's literally the, the antidote to the curse. So it's the complete opposite. So in the world we live in, with all the hurt, with all the pain, I believe we're in need of, of the blessing of God upon us. But let me highlight something here when we talk about the blessing. That doesn't just happen. It's not coincidental that people just walk into the blessing. There's things that take place in our lives that we move ourselves into position with God. But I can tell you this, every one of you in here, God's desire is to bless you. Thank you. There's one in agreement with me. Well, we're going to read and start here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And he said, now the Lord said to Abram, better stated, this is for your advantage, Abram. And he's going to list a couple things here to do, and they're tests, every one of them. And each test, it gets more difficult with each one. The first one, he said, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, when he tells him this, this wasn't easy. This was going to be difficult, but he's telling him here, don't let your comfort or your security keep you from walking in the things that God has for you. So when I look at the things he's talking about, let me ask you this question. Who are you allowing or what are you allowing to influence you? Can your country be influenced you? Can there things in our nation be influenced you that take the place that God should be? And then he says, from your family. Now, I know God loves family, but when we start putting our family or their beliefs of a family above what God asks us to do, we're going to get in trouble. And then he said, from your father's house. From your parents, maybe the most difficult one. And so when he says this to Abraham here, remember this. Abraham has some big choices to make. Do I obey God or do I disobey God? Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Now, I, I love every one of those, and I believe those are written to every person that's born again and that loves God with all their heart. God wants to bless you. God wants to multiply you. God has a desire to make your name great, and God has a desire to bless you to be a blessing. Now, I can't be a blessing without first being blessed. And so these were the promises of God, and he goes on to say, and I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you, and in you, all the families of the earth, they shall be blessed. Now, when God tells Abraham this, all Abraham has to go on now is the promises of God and the word of God. So you know what that means? To obey God, he's going to have to step out in faith and say, Father God, I believe the word you have here 
is for me. So when I look at these right here, for every one of us in this room to be a great man or woman of faith, to live for God, you're going to have to obey God. You're going to have to step out and obey God, regardless of how difficult or hard it may look. Now, when I talk about these blessings, I'm just going to walk you through some of the chapters, and I'm going to paraphrase them for time's sake here today. And I just want to show you some of the things that Abraham had to do to walk in the blessing. First of all, he had to obey, chapter 12, verse 2. But when we get into chapter number 13, it says that Abraham, he erected or he built an altar before God. When I see that he erected or built this altar before God, you know what this shows me? This was a man who who made it a habit, who disciplined himself to say, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to go to an altar and I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise him regardless of what anybody else thinks. That's chapter 13. When I go into chapter 14 of Genesis, and you can read every bit of it, this is when Abraham was so blessed in his life that he honored God with the tithe. This is very important that we get this because when he honored God with the tithe, this was before the legal requirement went into action. This was before Moses ever talked about doing this. So for Abraham to honor God with the tithe, you know what that tells me? There was something in his heart that said, I want to honor God. I want God to know he has blessed me abundantly and richly. And right after that passage in, in Genesis 14, when he tithes, you know what it says next? That he raised his hands to heaven. Again, a form of worship. A form that says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to obey God regardless of what anybody else thinks. Now, oftentimes, before people give their heart to Jesus, we don't understand what raising our hands into heaven. How many of you, the first time you came into church and where people raised their hands to heaven, you said, what in the world are they doing? It's an act of worship. It's an act of surrender. It's an act like some of these little babies that were dedicated this morning. When they want their mom and daddy to pick them up, this is the universal sign. Well, it's the same with us, the Father God. Father God, I acknowledge you. I worship you. That's chapter 14. Then when we go into chapter 15, it says that Abraham believed God. You know what this tells me? Abraham was a man of faith, of steadfast faith. And when I follow his life, when Abraham believed God like he did, it wasn't for a week, it wasn't for a year, It was throughout his life that this is what he did and this is what he modeled. And then in chapter 17, it said that Father God made a covenant with Abraham. Do you know the word covenant is one of the most strong or theologically words that was used in the entire Old Testament? It means to come into agreement with God. It means to come into union with God. It means to say, I'm going to partner with God. And if you look at chapter 17, you will see that word covenant over and over and over again. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. And I want to read this part, especially after we dedicated all these babies. And so you begin to see these things with this man named Abraham. 
that he was committed to God. He was sold out to God. Genesis 18, verse 18. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him or blessed through him. Now listen real close to this. For I have known him. Now this is what Father God says. I've known him. I've known Abraham in order that he may command his children and his household after him. That Abraham was a man who would command his children and his household after him. With that statement right there, you know what it says to me that Abraham was saying? I'm going to model the things of God. I'm just not going to talk about the things of God. I'm going to actually live the things of God. My children are going to know what it means to worship God. My children are going to know what it means to raise my hands to heaven. My children are going to know the significance of tithing. My children are going to know what it means to fear the Lord. He goes on to say that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteous and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So when I read this here, Abraham was going to teach his children the things of God. He was going to teach them what it looks like to worship God. Turn a few chapters to chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. Now as we go through this again, none of the blessings that Abraham walked through were coincidental. I believe this with all of my heart, that Abraham became a man of discipline. He disciplined himself to obey God. He made the things of God priority in his life. Now, what happens here is where we go in Genesis 26. It talks about his son, Isaac. Genesis 26, verse 1. There was famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt and live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in the land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. Now this is what Father God spoke to Abraham's son, Isaac. He said, I will bless you. That statement there is the same statement that he made to Abraham in Genesis 12 too. I'll bless you, I'll multiply you, I'll make your name great. I'll bless you to be a blessing. So there was a generational blessing that was handed off from Abraham to Isaac. But just because the blessing was handed off to Isaac didn't mean he could live off his daddy's coattail. In other words, Isaac was going to have to serve God like his father Abraham did. And so he tells him this and he goes on to say, I will bless you. Now listen to this. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath of the vow which I swore to Abraham your father. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nation of the earth shall be blessed. Now this was the promise he made to Isaac. Verse 5, the very first word it says, because... And why? Now watch the because factor here. Because Abraham obeyed my voice 
And he kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So guess what he's saying? Isaac, because of your daddy's willingness to obey me, there's a blessing that's uh, released on you. Let me highlight something. He voluntarily honored God and kept his commandments. And the reason I want to highlight that is this was way before the law that Moses set into motion took place. So the reason Abraham obeyed him like he did was because of his heart. Let me highlight something here just for a little bit. I don't have to come to church. I get to come to church. I don't have to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. I I get to pray. And see, so many times people look at the things of God as religion or bound by I have to do this. No, no, no. Something happened in Abraham's heart that said, I desire to do this. I want to do this. Do you know this morning when I woke up, I didn't wake up and say, oh, crud, it's Sunday morning. I got to go to church. Oh, I woke up and I said, woohoo, I get to go to church. And you know what? Not only do I get to go to church, I get to praise God. I get to worship God. I get to honor God. And that's what we've got to pass down from generation to generation. I, I welcome the opportunity to come before God. So what happens here? is we walk in these blessings. But when we talk about these blessings, the, the devil, the enemy, is he's very aware of the blessings. He's very aware of generational blessings. He's very aware of the covenant. He's very aware of the oaths that God has made to his children. And so guess what he does? He tries to go over time to get the blessing to stop. Now, I'm going to have you go with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 23, or 22. Numbers, chapter 22. So you're going Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then Numbers 22. Now, as you're turning there, I'm going to paraphrase this just a little bit to help you know what's going on. There was a king named Balak. Balak was an ungodly king. He was the king of what we would describe as the Moabites. The region of Moab, if you were to look today, is the area that we call Jordan on the east bank of the Dead Sea. So this king named Balak, he hated the Israelites. And he wanted to exterminate them. So he desires so bad that he hires this this prophet named Balaam. And he said, I'm going to hire you. I'm going to reward you if you'll curse the Israelites. So we pick up in in Numbers 22, verse 6. So he said, therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whom you bless is blessed, and whom you curse is cursed. Now this is what this ungodly king says to this prophet. Same chapter, verse 11. Look, a people has come out of Egypt... And they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. 
you shall not curse the people for they are blessed. Now this is what God tells him. You can't curse them because they're blessed. So this king named Balak, he worships the false god of the Baals. So he tells Balaam, he said, here's what we got to do. We got to go up to higher ground. We got to worship the Baals in a higher place. So they go up to a high land and he erects seven altars and they bring seven sacrifices to these altars. And so they're, they're offering these sacrifices to the false god of Baal. Now I highlight the false god. There's only one way to God, okay? Let me back up. There's only one God, and there's only one way to God. Well, pastor, I believe there's a lot of different ways to God. Well, I can just tell you right now, you can believe that all you want. But if you're biblical, you're an heir. God said there in Deuteronomy, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. There's only one God. And the Lord Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. Now, you can say, well, that's hard. Well, you can call it hard or not, but it's the truth, okay? So Balaam tries to, to curse again. So we pick up now in chapter 23 in verse 11. Then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies and look, you have blessed them bountifully or you've best blessed them thoroughly. So you know what he's saying? I hired you to curse them, genius. And look what you've done. You've blessed them. You didn't curse them. You've blessed them. Same chapter, verse 20, uh, 15. And what happens here, let me paraphrase real quick before I jump into there. They go up to a higher level a higher ground, and they erect seven altars and seven sacrifices again. And so they're offering to the false gods of Moab. And so he says in verse 15, and he said to Balak, you stand here by the burnt offering while I meet the Lord over there. Then the Lord met Balaam, he put a word in his mouth, and he said, go back to Balaam, and thus you, or Balak, and thus you shall speak. So he came to him, and there he was standing by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab were them. And Balak said to them, what has the Lord spoken? Then he took up his oracle and said, Rise to Balak and hear, listen to me, O son of Zippor. Now listen to this. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. God doesn't lie. There's not an ounce of lying in Father God. He goes on to say, Nor a son of man that he should repent. God doesn't change his mind. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He goes on to say, has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will not make it good? Has he promised and it's not going to come about? Verse 20, behold, I received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Now this is what this prophet Balaam is saying to this ungodly king. I want to because I want the money. But I can't reverse the curse because God has blessed it. So he goes on to say in verse 21, he, he has not observed iniquity in Jacob. Remember the word iniquity is sin that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And it's repeated. But he said, I can't find iniquity in him. Now I'm going to rewind something for you. 
Weeks ago, we, we broke down this verse. This is Proverbs 26, verse 2. A curse cannot come without a cause. A curse just can't show up. The only way a curse shows up is when we open the door to disobedience or sin in our life. So he said, I can't curse them. Keep reading in verse 21. Nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord God is with him. And the shout of a kingdom is among them. In other words, they love to praise their God. They love to praise their king. So he can't curse them. So this king named Balak, he's stubborn. So you know what he says to Balaam? He said, we got to go to higher ground. Let's go up a little higher. Let's erect seven altars again. Let's sacrifice again. And let's watch what God does. Well, nothing happens again. He can't curse them. So King Balak gets so frustrated with Balaam, he literally fires him. He says, I'm done with you, and you're not getting a reward. Well, King, uh, or the prophet Balaam was so upset about this, he gets mad about it. He wanted that blessing, but he knows he can't curse them. But you know what Balaam does now? I can't curse them, but I know how to get them to curse themselves. Wow. So if they would curse themselves, the blessing would stop. And so how could he get them to curse themselves? How could he entice them to sin? Numbers chapter 25. And this will be the last passage we'll go to. And we're going to be in here for a little bit. So again, think about this. He's tried to curse them over and over and over and over. He can't do it. So he tells Balak, this is what you do. Verse 1, now Israel remained in a Cassia grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. So you know what Balak knows? All I got to do is get the women of Moab around them. And the men of, of, of Israel will get into sexual immorality with these Moabites, with their women. And so this is what begins to take place. They throw the bait out, and guess what? The men of Israel, they grab onto it. Verse 2, they invited the people, the men, to sacrifice of their gods. And notice the word gods there. It's little g. Their gods. And the people ate, and they drank, and they bowed down to their gods. So immediately, he gets them to do two areas of compromise. They let down their guard on the areas of sexual immorality and they got over into idolatry and they begin to worship the false gods right here. And so because of what they did, these two acts are what I call blessing bandits. That they'll steal the blessing from you. And I, I cannot compromise in this area to relax my standards in the area just to justify my desires. I can't do that. So this gets so bad among the Israelites that Moses tells the leaders, he says, every one of these men who've gotten into this, kill them. Now, I don't know about you, but I thank God I live in a New Testament time. But when he says kill them, you know what that literally means to me? I believe this is what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, we must die to our flesh. 
I, I can't allow my flesh to dominate me. But in this sense, it got so bad that he said, you're going to have to kill those guys because of their disobedience and their sin. He knew it was contagious. He knew it would spread. Verse 6, same chapter. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and he presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses, in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. And let me tell you what this literally means. Moses and people of the church were at the tabernacle. And they were weeping because of the condition they were now in. And so as they're at the tabernacle weeping, this one Israelite, and this was a man named Zimri who was of the tribe of Simeon who was a leader. He shows up with a Midianite woman and right in front of the church and right in front of the church people, he commits sexual immorality in front of them. Now I want you to picture this. This would be like us coming to church today and we would have a group right out here praying and crying out to God and he walks up with this woman and goes, what do you fellas think of this? Right in front of them. Blatant, blatant sin. Verse seven. Now when Phinus the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, which shows he's of the tribe of Levi, which is huge. He saw it. He saw it. He, he physically saw what they did. He's standing there, and he sees this one that's an Israelite in this blatant act of immorality. He sees it. He witnesses it. He rose from among the congregation, and he took a javelin in his hand. Now, in the law, or the letter of the law that Moses wrote, when a Jew was zealous for the things of God, he could willfully do this. So he wasn't breaking the law, but he saw this, and he took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent, and he thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through the body. We may say extreme. But extreme disobedience is what opened the door to this curse and this plague. So the only thing that could stop extreme disobedience was extreme obedience. Thank God we live under grace. Because if we didn't, How many of us in here today would have a spear stuck right through us? Probably every one of us. So as I read this, the Lord begins to move in my heart and says, now what are the areas of your life you need to die to? What is the area of your life that's caused you to walk in disobedience? So what you begin to see here is because of willful disobedience, 
They opened the door to a curse, and because of that, the blessing left. Now, keep reading here. Watch what he says here. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. So the curse was stopped. How was the curse stopped? They had to deal with the sin. And look at verse number 9. And he goes on to say, and those who died in the plague were 24,000. 24,000 people died because of immorality. Now remember, it all goes back. This ungodly king wanted to curse them, but because they were in unity or covenant with God, he couldn't curse them, so they came under a blessing. But when they willfully got into disobedience and sin, he was able to curse them, or better yet, they cursed themselves. Verse 10, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Finest the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal. He was jealous with my jealousy among them. Listen to this last statement. So that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. So I did not choose, I did not uh, uh, eliminate them. His exact words here is, I, I did not consume them. So if I read correctly in this, if this guy named Finus doesn't kill this and put a stop, does it wipe out every one of them? And it says, he was, he, he was zealous. He had my zeal. But man, I, I tell you right now, I believe this was all my heart. We need to ask God to grace us with that zeal. That zeal, and what I'm talking about here is I, I love what God loves, and I hate what God hates. The only thing I find that God hates is sin, disobedience. God loves us. And I said, Lord, put, put a zeal in me that I love you more than I, I, I love what our country does at times. I love you more than what Hollywood portrays. And see, we live in a society now where we have the thought, well, everybody's doing it. Well, does that make it right? No, it doesn't make it right. Do you know, in, in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, the Lord Jesus, it's red letter words. You write this down. He said, there's two roads. There's two gates. One is a road that's wide. It's wide, and he said it's easy, and it's the road that many are on, but it leads to death. And there's another road that's narrow, and it's difficult, and it's hard, but it's the road that leads to life, and there's only a few on it. Do you know to serve God, you're not going to win a popularity contest. God was very aware of this man named Finus, this one man who said, God's zeal is upon me. I'm going to do what God desires me to do. And you see in this world we live in right now, the majority says, go this way, go this way. I still applaud people that say, I believe in this book. I believe in this word. Can I help you a little bit with this just a second? Either all this word is true or none of it's true. God never said for us to say, 
This book is multiple choice. Well, I like that part, thou shalt not murder. But you know that stuff about adultery. God couldn't mean that for now. Remember, God does not lie. And God does not relent. He doesn't change his mind. And so God's word is forever settled in heaven. And so I said, Lord, stir up a zeal within me. Stir up a zeal. Let me be jealous with what makes you jealous. Is anybody in here like that? I don't know about you guys. I'm, I, I want the zeal of God. I, I want to live to please him. Yeah, there's two or three of you are excited. Verse 12. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. God said this. God said, I give to this man finest a covenant of peace. You know what this shows me? God was very aware of his actions that day. And it may not have been popular with everybody there, but it was sure popular in heaven. You can gain the world and lose your soul. He said, I gave him a covenant of peace. Verse 13. And it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood. So guess what you just saw there? A generational blessings, a covenant peace would be handed down to Finus and his descendants because of what he chose to do. And look what he ends this with. And he said, because he was zealous for his God. I pray today, God stirs up in here a zealous within me. I want to be zealous with God. I want to be so fired up with the things of God. And that's my prayer that you leave here today with that. And he ends with this and says, and he made atonement for the children of Israel. So because what he did, that atonement meant he covered them. He reconciled them. Do you know the way that atonement is made for me and you? It's not because of your acts of goodness or your good intentions. The only way that atonement is made for me and you is through the blood of Jesus. Only the blood. Only the blood. And I highlight only the blood. The only way you make it to heaven is when Jesus is Lord of your life. And I didn't say Savior when he's Lord. So when he's Lord, that means he's master. But the only way your sin is washed away is through the blood of Jesus. Only. And the only way I'm set free is the blood of Jesus. So what do we do, Pastor? i got to get under the blood. Well, how does that happen? Man, I received Jesus as Lord of my life. And how do you receive Jesus? You receive Jesus by faith. You believe that he's the Christ, the Messiah, and you ask him to come into your heart. Is it so difficult to act or step out by faith? No, it's not. How many of you, when you got born again, you saw Jesus? Did anybody in here see Jesus face to face? Did he appear to you and say, here I am? Did he hand you his business card and say, I'm Jesus. Be good for you to, to receive me. No, I didn't receive Jesus. 
I heard the message of the B-I-B-L-E, and that message began to resonate within me. It began to have identity within me, and I began to realize this. I'm a sinner. I'm a good sinner. And I believed what was just preached to me, so I said, I'm going to receive Jesus as Lord of my life. And I remember almost 40 years ago, they said, is anybody here today want to receive Jesus? No one got up. But me, and I strolled down that aisle. You thought I had won the prices right. I was the next contestant. Here I am. Here. I was so blown away to think someone named Jesus, he died for me. He took all my sins. That doesn't seem fair. But it became so real to me that here I am 40 years later still serving Jesus still looking to Jesus, still conforming to Jesus, still loving Jesus. Are you there, Pat? No, I'm not there, but I'm a lot further along than I used to be. And through this word here today, I said, Lord, stir up zeal within this young guy's heart. Some of you say, you're not young. Yeah, I am. I'm young. Why don't you stand up here with me today? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.